Thank you for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. On today's show, it's a crossover with Locked On Red Sox. We talk about the offseason. We talk about the series that's coming up this weekend. We try to predict what's going to happen in the AL East, and we talk about how exciting it is that the AL East has four good teams and how it could be a dogfight to the end. And we don't fight. Spoiler alert. All next on Locked On Yankees. You are Locked On Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just a reminder before we get the crossover started, you can listen to us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. We hit a thousand subscribers, so there will be a giveaway soon. And when you get into your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Yankees. So without further ado, here is the crossover between Locked on Yankees and Locked on Red Sox. Hey, everyone. Look at this. We're doing a crossover with Locked On Red Sox. I'm joined by my co-host, Abby Mastrocco, and we have Jake Iggy and Lauren Campbell of Locked On Red Sox. It'll be a very civilized crossover going by how the the AL East roundtable was the other night. No fights, no, you know, snarky comments, although Jake warned us that maybe some comments will be made about certain Yankee players. But welcome to the Locked on Yankees, Locked on Red Sox crossover. We're going to be talking about opening day, which is now delayed a day, and talking about the opening series. So here we are. Baseball is finally here, guys. Jake, how do you feel about baseball finally being here? I can't wait. Um, you know, it, it was a little bit unfortunate getting that notification from Yankees Twitter that it was postponed. But, you know, we, we kind of knew going into this week that it was a 90% chance uh, that it was going to rain. But, you know, no better matchup um, than Red Sox-Yankees to start the season, especially with how exciting uh, the wild card game was. Yeah, because... I wasn't really jazzed about the whole opening in Texas thing, and not that I was happy about the lockout, but having that whole week wiped out and having it start Red Sox-Yankees just feels a little better. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. So we're here, opening day, delayed a day, but hey, like you said, at least they let us know in advance. We knew at the beginning of the week the weather was going to be bad, and it looks like Friday's going to be a lot better than they thought it was going to be in the beginning of the week. It looks like 60s, sunny It'll be a great afternoon for baseball. Abby, you were going to be there, and now you can't be there? <laughs> no, I have too many other – I have hockey stuff I have to work on. At some point, I'll shift to baseball, and it'll only be baseball, but that'll be after the Stanley Cup and the draft. So for now, I, I'll, I, I, I'll be at a few games like over the next month or two. Mm-hmm. But for now, I, I have – I have deadlines I have to meet. I have, I, I still have a few more months in hockey rinks. Unfortunate, which is unfortunate because I want to be outside. It's going to be a nice day. I don't want to be at a hockey rink right now. Like this is the time of year where I start to get like, oh, come on. Let's just like get this roll in here so that I can go over to, I can go outside and I can be covering baseball again. But no, I, I just, there's a lot going on this week, guys. There's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. 
And the other good thing about them announcing it early was I was saying this on another podcast that I actually recorded earlier as a guest. In 2008, the last opening day of the old stadium, they had us stuck there for nearly four hours while it was raining. And then they decided, oh, we're going to reschedule it for tomorrow night, you know, make it a night game while we were sitting there for four hours listening to rain-themed music the entire time, which wasn't bad. That's how they get their beer sales in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they didn't have to do that this time. But it also helps that 13 years ago, you know, I don't know, weather apps weren't around, smartphones weren't around. And, you know, we have apps now that literally tell us it's going to snow at your house in 15 minutes. Be prepared. So, yeah, (laughs) things are a lot different now. Speaking of a lot different, both teams made some moves this offseason. Maybe not the moves that they wanted to make or the fans wanted them to make. Lauren, Trevor Story. That's the big move that the Red Sox made. How do you think he's going to adapt to being a Red Sox? I think he'll be just fine. I think there's not a lot of pressure on him because the lineup is already pretty deep. So I think he's not coming in and Alex Cora isn't like, we're going to insert you here and you're going to save our offense this season. So he does have a lot of good players hitting in front of him. He'll have a lot of good players hitting behind him if Alex Cora does want to indeed put him in the number two spot against uh, left-handed pitchers, I think it is. So I think he'll be just fine. He'll probably start the season a little slow just to get adapted to a new team, new park, and his splits aren't very good away from Coors Field. But now, I mean, Fenway's a, a really fun park to hit at, so I think that will come easy for him. And like I said, he's not being depended on, so I think that kind of pressure is already off of him. Right. That's really important when a player goes to a new team, because if you're the guy, the pressure is just immense. And when you're assured that, no, it's okay, you're one of the guys, you're not the guy, that usually, usually helps (laughs) when a player comes over to a new team. (laughs) Yep, exactly, exactly. Get that pressure off him right away. Yes, Chris Chris Bryan Bryan in Colorado. Who else does he have around him? (laughs) Right, that's that's tough for him. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. Yeah. I forgot about that. And that only happened how long ago? It's so it's so funny with the lockout. I forgot the Braves won the World Series. You know, I forgot half the guys who signed before the lockout, you know, when all that stuff was happening and the negotiations was happening, were happening. I saw a picture and it said Mets pitcher Max Scherzer. And for a good five seconds, I thought to myself, when did Scherzer go to the Mets? (laughs) Did you forget about Chris Bryant going to Colorado because of all of that? Or did you forget about it because Colorado is so forgettable right now? Yes. (laughs) I mean, yes. The the Rockies are, are, they're not trying to win. They're just trying to get people in the stands. And and I mean, you know, Chris Bryant has a pretty, pretty face, you know, that'll help. I mean, if they just put his picture all over the place, you you get, you get a female audience (laughs) into Colorado to see baseball games. You might, that might actually help. That might be good. So what do you guys think, Red Sox side, I'll ask you guys this. Um, We spoke about this on the roundtable, but I actually want to hear from you, Jake, because you weren't there. We all agreed. Well, most of us, actually, I shouldn't say that. Ulysses of Locked on Rays believes the Rays are going to win the AL East. And I mean, you know, okay. Um, They're always there and they've won how many times in the last few years? So it's not out of the realm of possibility. But how do you see the AL East unfolding? Just from what's happened so far, I mean, obviously, we have no idea what's going to happen because no games have been played yet. But what do you think from everything that's happened so far? 
I think that, you know, the Rays, Yankees, Red Sox, and Blue Jays are going to be separated by a few games. Um, I, I wouldn't honestly be surprised if it was uh, a little bit similar to how last season's wild card race was at the during the last three days. You know, as, as fans, like, we don't want to have heart attacks like that where you're crossing your fingers that the Red Sox beat the Baltimore Orioles and the Nationals and, you know, they almost get swept by the Orioles. But, uh, you know, I, I think – I honestly think it's it's tough to not see the Rays in the top two, um, kind of like Ulysses said and, and you alluded to as well. You know, they they always find a way to get there. It, it it always seems like the Rays are smarter than everybody else. That's just what it seems like. Uh, but I think um, everybody in their mind thinks that the Blue Jays, with all the moves that they did make, are uh, – the defined sort of uh, leader in the AL East. I, I'm not really too, too sure on their bullpen. I think that's something that's a little bit thin for them. Uh, I am curious to see how Kevin Gosman does uh, in the AL as well. Um, but, you know, something with the Red Sox and the Yankees, and this is something that I was thinking about before we even started, is, you know, over like the last five years, when have the Red Sox and Yankees fans felt comfortable about their pitching? Like, I, it always seems to be a conversation every offseason every trade deadline, especially with Brian Cashman. Like I always hear Yankees fans, we need to find a way to get more pitching. And it, it never seems like either side has enough. And I, I think that's really what it's all going to come down to, honestly. Yeah. Fangraphs came out with something earlier that said it was like some sort of projection and it projected the Rays, Red Sox, Blue Jays, and Yankees to all finish 88 and 74. And then the Orioles were going to win like 60 games. And I thought that was hilarious. And not exactly what we predicted on the roundtable, but pretty damn close. And yeah, everyone watching the show, listening to show, to the show, up your Xanax dosage in September because it's gonna it's it's gonna be crazy. I I mean, if no one falls off, if something catastrophic doesn't happen to any of the teams, but they're really close. I don't think that there's one team out of those four that's so far above everyone else that they're gonna pull away if things break right for all four teams. And I think that fans around baseball are actually going to be pretty <laughs> jazzed about watching the AL East in a dogfight of four teams going down to the wire. I mean, when has that happened, really? So Well, it's interesting. I mean, it makes things interesting in September when things can, you know, either already be decided or they can be down to the wire. I mean, it was okay for like fans. But look, everybody knows I don't care who wins. Like, I'm just I just want a short game. You know, I just want to meet my deadlines. For fans, imagine how, like, it was such a nail-biter last year coming down to the last game of the regular season. And, it, you know, the Mariners and the Jays were waiting the outcome of other teams and other games. And for me, that was so fascinating for a lot of us in the media. Like, you know, we were trying to gauge the reactions of, you know, how were the Mariners doing? I, f I forget where they were at the time. But, like, the Blue Jays, I, I cover hockey. I have a ton of friends in Canada who were – did not care about hockey at all the, that last weekend of the regular season. All I saw was posts about Vlad Jr. and the and the Jays. And it's so fascinating to have a weekend like that. And there's all these like great storylines and stuff. It seems like then it's just kind of over and you move on to the playoffs. And there are teams that end up, you know, everybody felt so bad for the Mariners last year. Not They almost broke that playoff drought. But I I don't know. For me, at least, I get it for you guys. For like you, Stacey, you probably were, you know, having some anxiety. 
that last weekend of the regular season last year. Just a little. But I thought it was exciting. Yeah, no, it <laughs> was. There were, there were four teams whose fate was kind of being decided by one game on the last day of the season. It was, I, there was some cool storylines. I got a couple good stories out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I like, too, that at one point there could have been a three-way or four-way tie in the AL yeah. East. The, the odds were very, very slim, but I was like, oh, I love chaos, but I don't know if I like that kind of chaos. Like, that is a little too chaotic for me, but th that could help in this year, and I, it could very well come down to one, game 162 this year. Yeah, I like chaos as well, but not when my own team is involved. You know, I love yeah. the wild card Same. game, but not when my team's involved. I, I loved watching game 163s, you know. I mean, I still say the Twins and Tigers in 09 was one of the best games I've ever watched, And but I don't like when my own team is in there. It's just, it's it's too much. I, it, I, is. it was kind of crazy. Like, at least from my perspective, we were all sitting there because of the um, like vaccination and testing requirements in Canada. We were trying to figure out how we could get a PCR within 48 hours, because at the time Canada, like it was going to no, like less than less than 48 hours. Like it was oh, yeah, just we were all trying, was, yeah. I, like beat writers were all traveling. I was on the phone with my editor. Like, are we doing this? We're we pulling the trigger on this trip. He's like, I don't know. We'll see. Like there was, the Yankees were trying to figure out how to get the media tested in time to be able to get over the border. Like there were so many different scenarios in play. And like, I don't know, I, I get excited about those things because you also have to start planning ahead to, to content. Like from my perspective, again, like, you know, you've got to submit some storylines and, and when those storylines actually happen, it's so much fun. And like, it just, I like the chaos of it all. And I understand it from fans point of view the expanded playoffs this year, you know, hopefully we'll see, hopefully we'll get a chance to see Vlad Jr. in the playoffs this year. Very true. I hopefully, I look, I hope, hopefully we'll get a chance to see both of your teams in there, but, but you know, at, at the end of the day, like you want the best talent in the playoffs. It's not fun that Mike Trout never makes it. Show yeah, me how you say that. Yep. <laughs> you know, but this is going to be, this is always the race to watch, but now with the expanded playoffs, it adds some extra intrigue. And I, I don't know that I'm like a fan of the expanded playoffs. I think it's going to dilute the it's going to dilute the product a little bit, except in the AL East because <laughs> you've got so many talented teams and and so much depth and you've got the Rays who just they can outsmart everybody and that frustrates the teams that spend a lot of money and it it's I think this is like the one this is the one the NL West could make an argument for it as well, but like this is the one division where the expanded playoffs is is going to, I don't know, I think it's going to add the most sort of intriguing storylines and it's going to benefit these teams more than some of the other ones. Well, I've so, never been so so much on the edge of my seat, quite honestly, like other than like in, in the AL wildcard game. Like I, 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 I'll never forget that stand home run where Matt Faskersian thought it was a home run, but but then it was actually right off the wall. Like I, I was yelling at my TV and then once I realized that it was actually a double, I was like, oh, Thank God. But I mean, honestly, I've never seen Fenway go get, go that crazy. Uh, and I, I think it's because everybody was on the edge of their seats, you know, because every single pitch mattered, every single play mattered. And I, I think those games, especially with the expanded playoffs, I think if there, if there was a three way tie as, as much as, you know, as we wanted our teams to like win, I, I think it would, as a baseball fan, it'd be really fun to watch. Well, yeah. I mean, even you could see the reactions in the dugout when the margin for error is so thin 
even the players are on the edge of their seats. Like everyone's standing in the dugout. Nobody's sitting there. Nobody's just kind of like hanging back like they do during a regular season game. Nobody's in the clubhouse except for the starting pitcher who's trying to ice down. Like everybody is into every single moment. And it creates like such this amazing atmosphere that you can almost feel it through the broadcast sometimes. For us in the press box, we can feel it up there. And we have no we've got no skin in the game. Like I said, we're just trying to meet deadlines and write good stories, but you can feel it up there. And it's such a cool thing to be a part of. And like, that's part of what makes the playoffs so special is that like, you can even feel that through the broadcast sometimes. Like you said, you were on the edge of your seat. So was everybody else. Everybody in the dugout was standing up right over the rail. Everybody was hanging on every pitch and every moment like felt so heavy. That's what a playoff game should feel like. The World Series felt very anticlimactic to me. It did compared to, previous series and the wild card yeah it it actually really did speaking of the world series and wild card and playoff finishes bet online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info and if you want to bet on that sort of thing they have lines for everything you can find all the latest sports developments including this week's masters championship odds which i believe tiger woods announced he's going to be doing that now so that should be something you can see podcasts and reviews for all the different leagues this season bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information including live betting esports and scores so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions bet online where the game starts now speaking of that i saw something um the betting lines for let me just double check to see because I was kind of shocked in a way because I didn't realize how bad the Diamondbacks were because they're ranked behind the Orioles in this one, what is it for? A win total. (laughs) Wow. Obviously they predict the Dodgers and the Blue Jays to be the two best teams. That's not that surprising. The Dodgers are, (laughs) the Dodgers are doing now what the Yankees used to do. They're getting all the big players. So, um, But I found it interesting. The bottom isn't shocking. The bottom four teams, Rockies, Pirates, even with Chris Bryant, the Rockies, um, Pirates, Orioles, and Diamondbacks. The poor Orioles. Let's talk about them just for a second because we're talking about the AL East and how it's a four-team race. And I feel like the Orioles are not that far from being a team that can do something in the AL East. And we spoke about this on the roundtable, but how much fun could it be? be if all five AL East teams were, you know, they don't have to be all super, but if they're all like relatively good, that could be good too. That could be fun to watch. Yeah. You're talking about upping your Xanax for September. We would need that for the whole season. Like it's, it'd be so fun though. Cause that, that extra competitive team and that extra competitive edge, it's, it's so fun when all teams are good and the AL East, it's always been the division to beat. But it's always those four teams. It's never the Orioles. Not in the last, I don't know, ten years. The, the poor no, Orioles. They had the. They had the. Um, they had oh, the run the to the. Yeah. Yes, in 2014. 20, okay, had, so eight years. I was. I, I don't, don't do math. It really been eight years. Since no, the Zach Britton game wasn't that 2016 yeah, in Toronto. That was 2016. The Zach Britton game. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so six six years. Yeah. So uh, time doesn't exist. Time is a flat circle. So it's. It would just be fun to have them there, and they have a great farm system. They're they're getting there, and yeah. hopefully, when they get there, the other teams aren't like falling off, or the players aren't getting older. Where it's like, 
they're like kind of good, but I would love a, a very five team AL East competitive to, to September. Yeah, that could be fun. So well, that's that's why I think is I think that's what they're doing right now is is sort of what the Texas Rangers did and John Boy brought it up and I didn't even think about this uh, is is you know, the Rangers were waiting until like the uh, Astros like 2017 players sort of started trickling off and they mm-hmm. wait they waited that time to where they could go all in on some of these free agents to where you know it would actually make sense for them to make a run for the AL West so like that's that's something you you know you haven't seen the Orioles spend really any money. Uh, on free agency and really not trying at all to contend. I, I think that's kind of what they're doing. Maybe give them one, one or two more years to where they see some of these guys, you know, Chapman's only with, with the blue Jays for two more years, you know, uh, you know, Vlad Guerrero, four more years, you know? So I, I think that's what they're doing. Maybe waiting one or two more years to go all in on, on some of these free agents or go all in on contention. So um, they're potentially not wasting some of these guys' developmental years and uh, they, they can actually make a run for, for the top spot. There's even Correa. It's tough in this division, though, because you can't sell the Yankees fans on a rebuild. This is a team that doesn't rebuild. The fan base isn't going to to deal with that. You have to continually find ways to, like, retool. And if the Yankees are retooling, then – and the Rays continually as well. The Rays haven't really – the Rays and the A's, you you never know what they're doing, but you always are, like, intrigued by what they're doing, and you can never really count them out. It's difficult with some of these – it's difficult to be in a division with some of these big market teams. The AL West is a completely different division. Sure, the Angels are going to try and be competitive every year because they have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Is it going to work? Not really? Um, Trout will get hurt. <laughs> yeah. But oh, don't put that in the universe. <laughs> Yeah, um, pull that back. <laughs> you have to pick your spots when you're a team like the Orioles in this division. You can't so much you can't look and say, like, okay, the top team is gonna drop off around this time of year because there's three teams you can count on to always at least be somewhat competitive. True. So, like, yeah, that works for the Rangers, but the Orioles are gonna have to look and see is it worth con- is it worth trying to compete with all four of these teams do we have the talent to compete with all four of these teams and you have to look ahead when you're building a team you have to say here are our best prospects in five years down the line here's what we hope they're going to be so what are they going to need around them five years down the line well who's going to be a free agent in two years three years to come in and help change the culture come in and help um mentor this this guy who we think might be ready major league ready next year it's a really difficult spot for the Orioles to be in just knowing that these teams are going to continually reload and retool. And there isn't many down years that you can count on from anybody except maybe the blue Jays sometimes, but not for a little while, you know, they're, sure. they've made it clear that they're trying to contend and they're not going anywhere for a little while. It's I mean, as long as these, as long as guys like Bob jr are, like you said, four more years, which they'll probably look to lock him up for a little bit longer they want their core to grow together. That's part of the reason they moved all of them up at the same time into the major leagues. They want them to grow together. Now they're adding those pieces around. The Orioles are going to have to find a spot where they're, where they see some team maybe dropping off a little bit, but it's not going to be like, you know, the 2017 Astros, they, they just gave it. They're done. We know they're done that the window of contention it's, it's probably shutting. It's not that easy for the Orioles to look in this division and say, the window's shut. This is our opportunity now. Like it's True. so difficult to develop and plan ahead of time. 
in a division that's this deep. I agree. Yeah. Although, I mean, if if they're going by that idea, you know, Correa has an opt out after year one and two of his three year deal with the twins. So if they entice him with, I mean, that would be. Could you imagine? Did you did you see that there was a report that came out that that they offered him ten year three hundred million? Really? Holy smokes! Hmm. I mean, the Orioles got Rudy Odor. I mean, it's not like they didn't do anything. <laughs> right. They, they got someone. <laughs> Matt Harvey might sign with them again. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Matt, Har- Matt Harvey stayed healthy enough to make all of his starts last year. I know. That itself is um, it's a victory for Matt Harvey these days. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, Rudy Odor is a really great cheerleader. He's the first one out of the dugout whenever someone hits a home run. So, you know, it's, it's fun having that kind of a guy on the team. Um, speaking of having guys on the team and uh, JBJ coming back, what are your thoughts on that? Because the previous podcast I recorded, the host was like, eh. so I just wanted to get your feedback on that move. Yeah, I mean, there's no denying his defense 100%. You want him out there. The outfield last year kind of struggled, and the inevitable JBJ would have had that comments anytime something happened in the outfield. So it's great to have him back in a place he's familiar with. He loved Boston. Even his wife loved Boston. Like, they were just a very big Boston family. And, yes, he he had a terrible offensive year. But – I think we know at this point in his career that what kind of player JBJ is. He's respected with the Red Sox. He is a veteran. He does have that leadership. He's part of the reason the Red Sox went so far in the 2018 postseason. He's, you know, he's he's an ALCS MVP and he's he's a really good cheerleader. He's he's great. He's amazing with the with the players. He wants to just kind of be there. I don't want to say like, he's just happy to be there. Cause I think he legitimately does want to be a starting, starting outfielder, but I think he's also accepted his role and he's okay taking a smaller role being back in Boston. So as long as he's not like the everyday outfielder and you're getting that 162 average out of the lineup. Um, but you also have to accept this is who he is. And this is, he's going to go on a 20 game hit streak and then he'll go cold. Like he always does, but it's, it is, it, I'm okay with it. It it stinks giving up Hunter Renfro because of his bat, but he also led the, the league in errors in the outfield. So you have to kind of pick and choose your battles there because he was good on offense, not so great on defense, and JBJ is the exact opposite. Right. In a second, we're going to talk about defense for both teams because both teams did improve in the offseason because both teams had a need to improve in the offseason defensively. But first, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. And why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning while you wait for the person behind the counter to order parts on their computer, but choosing only the brand that their warehouse has? Happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer and they have everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find your solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So defensively, the Yankees improved their infield just by getting a shortstop that can play shortstop. 
<laughs> Josh Donaldson's not that bad at third base. He's pretty, and, he's, he's pretty rangy at third base. He's yeah. got more. And the, the Yankees finally figured out by mid-September that Glaber Torres is better at second base than he is at shortstop. And hopefully Aaron Boone will remember that fact and have him play second instead of short. So that helps the Yankees infield. You had mentioned, Lauren, that there were some players with defensive issues in the Red Sox lineup. So talk more about that and well, how it improved in the offseason. <laughs> well, um, there's always questions around Rafael Devers' defense. And there's a, he's an elite hitter. He, you want that bad in your lineup. But he makes mistakes on the, the silliest little ground balls. and like the, But he makes the, the plays that you never expect him to make. So he's really like love-hate relationship with him at third. But you improved, obviously, at second with Trevor Story. That was kind of a, a merry-go-round last season. You bring in Kike Hernandez, but then you realize he's really good in the outfield. So you're kind of putting Christian Arroyo there. You're putting – you bring in Jose Iglesias. You're putting him in, at second, trying everyone at second. And to have a, a legitimate second baseman, a permanent second baseman, I guess we'll call it, uh, a steady second baseman, will definitely help. And you have Xander Bogarts. And he, I mean, he's fantastic at what he does. And there are stats out there that show that he could much, he could be better. It's Trevor Story is better defensively at shortstop, but you have three really good players who could do a lot of damage in this, in this infield. And Bobby Dalbeck, I think he's, he's just ready to take over first base. I think, I really do think the acquisition of Kyle Schwarber at the deadline last year sparked a fire under him. And he was like, nope, this is my position. I know I need to figure this out because they're bringing in a guy to play a position that he's never played before. And this is my position. And you also have Tristan Casas waiting. He's at the doorstep. He's like knocking on the door. So he's got a lot of pressure on him, but I think he's just, he's out of his head. He's just really figured it out. So that infield, as long as if the pieces fall the right way, could be very dangerous. A lot of highlight reel plays, but my biggest question mark, I think, is just on Devers because he reportedly turned down a contract extension. You don't really know where his head's at. So I hope that he just kind of puts everything behind him, focuses on the season, and focuses on his defense because if he figures that out, that's incredibly dangerous. Like, he will need a not-safe-for-work label everywhere that he plays on, <laughs> on the diamond. Yeah. And it's it's funny because, you know, a lot of times, like with – I just mentioned Glaber Torres, you know – there are instances where when a guy isn't playing well defensively, it affects him offensively, which doesn't seem to affect Devers in that way. But there are a lot of guys where that that happens. Um, Some guys can out hit their mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, they can. They can put it away. But the sort of prevailing notion is that if you are comfortable defensively, you're going to be more comfortable at the plate. But yeah. some guys are wired differently. Yeah, it's very mental too. Like you, if yeah, if you're bad defensively and you're like, that's all in your head. That's all you can think about. Yeah. Trying to make an, the next play or living in like the, an error that you made, living in your head rent free, it's going to impact you at the plate. And especially in crucial crucial situations, you can't have that. And thankfully, Devers isn't one of those players. And I think he kind of thrives on how good he is on offense. Cause he's so excited. He's got the biggest smile when he does, when he just hits a double, when he drives and runs, like he's, he knows he's good offensively and he's not going to let an error. He's going to beat himself up over it, but he's not going to let that impact what he does at the plate. 
Well, I think that's the issue with J.D. Martinez trying to play outfield. You know, you mentioned him <laughs> him thinking about missing a ball or thinking about trying to field in right field when, you know, he's going into his 35, 36-year-old season. He, he's supposed to be the DH. He's supposed to only focus on hitting. And, you know, that's I, – I liked the JBJ trade in terms of the prospects. You know, you get better defense, but at the same time, without that fourth outfielder, defense doesn't really get too much better if you're expecting Christian Arroyo to simultaneously learn – outfield in two weeks as well as stick jd martinez out there against left-handed hitters so um I, I honestly don't trust uh you know either of them out there in the outfield uh just in terms of defensively um i've, I've been a big proponent of getting a fourth outfielder uh and and it's unfortunate because some of the guys that are out there even on the free agency market aren't too too great you know the red sox want another right-handed hitter you're not really going to go out there and pay Michael conforto you know 15 $13 million. Then there's also uh, Justin Upton. He can hit, but he can't really play defense. Uh, so it's it's tough. Plus, it's you're playing half your games in Fenway. And that outfield, depending on where... I mean, all three positions are tricky because you have, you have the triangle in center field. You have the wall that you have to learn how to play off. And I mean, some of these guys do play off the wall okay because they've played there enough times as road players. But then you also have... You know, the right field corner, if the ball hits a certain way and it flies back out into the field, I mean, it's just, I can't even imagine trying to come in and play at Fenway. But you were talking and about Ford Devers. He's been a pretty good right fielder. Like, yeah, his defensive metrics are not great, but like, I, just having watched Conforto quite a bit when I covered the Mets for a little bit, he's much better in right field. Like, he's much more comfortable. Like, the Mets don't have a true right fielder right now. Like, he, you know, Brandon Nimmo's hurt again. They probably should be contacting Scott Boris. Um, but if you – he does. I don't think he fits in Boston necessarily because because he is a he is a good he's a he's an okay defender. I don't want to say he's a, he's a he's a fine defender. He's fine. <laughs> there are better um, outfield defenders. Conforto is a great clubhouse presence though. Like he's a really great guy. Um, but if but I feel like the need for the Red Sox is is a right-handed hitter, and he's left. Yep. He hits yeah, left. Left-handed left heavy. Yeah, because I was looking at the lineup and it seemed. I I don't know because I. I asked around a little bit to see if maybe the Red Sox were interested in Conforto, and I didn't really get much back in response. Um, I I have not really been um, – I've asked around about some things lately, but my I, I've mostly just been trying to figure out my other work. So, like, I had a scout text me back the other day, and I didn't return his, his message for, like, three days, and he messaged me, and he's like, did my text go through? You usually respond right away. And I was like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Um However, I will say that the scout that I was talking to is like in love with Tristan Cassis. So every every scout I talk to like loses their minds over him. Yeah. He's he's the guy to watch. I think that I think he'll be in MLB if I think I think he'll we'll certainly see him this year, just September call-ups alone. But if not this year, 2023, 100%. Like he's he's right there. He's almost ready. He's cooking. <laughs> You mentioned Devers, and I want to say that, you know, years ago, Yankee fans didn't like seeing David Ortiz in the box. We don't really like seeing Devers. Who is that Yankee for you guys right now? Yeah. They're, they're all easy to strike out, so. <laughs> I mean, with Aaron Judge, you know, you get nervous when there's guys on base, but you just throw them a, a – uh, you, th you throw a pitch on the outside part of the play, and he'll usually swing at it. Same thing with uh, Stanton. Um, he always finds a way to swing and a miss. But, I mean, I think both of those guys are obviously, like, 
the 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 two guys that you're nervous when there's guys on base or in a in a close game that, that they're going to hit a home run or something like that. Actually, yeah. what do you guys think of our big boy outfield when it's, you know, because it's not always going to be Hicks in center field. They might actually put Judge out there. So if you have Joey Gallo at 6'4", Aaron Judge <laughs> at 6'7", and Giancarlo Stanton at 6'6", six, six, I, I, I coined them the big boy outfield. But that's, that's the big boys. Like, that's a yeah. lot. And just like the wingspan alone, like that's, that's a lot of ground that they can cover just by existing out there. So that is, I mean, that's... The Red Sox, I mean, every team too, like you get those bloopers, you get those just out of reach, but you think of six, seven, someone who's six foot seven, they don't, they won't need that extra reach. They'll just need to like put their glove out. And, and he that moves could... pretty well for someone who's six, seven. It's not like yeah. Aaron Judge is lumbering yeah. out there, you know, he's <laughs> He pretty... sometimes looks like when he like jumps to the wall to make a catch, he sometimes looks like Stretch Armstrong. Yes. <laughs> he's like bracing himself like, <laughs> and just completely stretched out. All of a sudden his arm is just like two feet longer than it was before. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I mean, that's a, that's a good outfield. That's a strong, the big outfield. And that might come in handy at a place like Fenway when there's the dimensions do not make sense at Fenway. And so you need those kinds of guys out there. And I think that will be beneficial to the Yankees, especially in Fenway. And obviously it'll be at home too. That's where they're the most comfortable. So it's, it's a, it's a pretty good outfield. I would say. I'll just but, never forget when Joey Gallo made those two awful drops in left field. I forget exactly what the situation of the game was, but I just remember he, he made like two awful plays in the outfield and it was just on a, like a little blooper. And uh, it, I think, I think it came close to helping out the Red Sox, but the, the Yankees ultimately got out of it. But um, yeah, with, with it's, it's, it's interesting with all those guys because, you know, it, one pitch they could, they could hit 500 feet and then like another pitch, they just strike out. So um it's it's nice that the Yankees filled up some of their lineup with some guys that can actually get some base hits. Yeah. I mean, you know, people are complaining about Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, but, I mean, he can hit the ball. I mean, he's not going to pound it 500 feet for home runs, and he might only finish with a couple on the year. But if he's hitting singles and doubles, <laughs> that's better than nothing. It's better yeah, than swinging like, through things. some guys who can just put the ball in play because yeah. – so much of what the offense has been the last few years has just been strikeouts and home runs. Like yep. you can't look, you can have a three true outcomes guy in your lineup. You cannot have a three true outcomes lineup right. as a whole. Right. And the Yankees, Yankees just, I mean, their MO has kind of been, yeah. okay, we'll out hit the mistakes, but they can't out hit every mistake. And we've seen that now the last, especially last year that really, you know, it really, their struggles magnified that that approach is not, going to work out throughout a, a full regular season it's not going to get you deep in the playoffs so yeah you got a couple guys who can just put the ball in play and then you know they, they set the table it's pretty standard baseball but for some reason the yankees haven't been playing that way well that's they, why the yankees were so good in the 90s especially from 98 on when they got knoblock and it was knoblock and jeter at the top of the order and they were almost always on base my dad would always make a joke when a yankee game started he'd be like let's score five in the first and not that they always did but if they ever did it was pretty funny because it just seemed like they were always on base and they were always scoring first so well and the game has changed and the yankees have you oh, know, yeah. the Yankees have more of um, their front office consists of a lot more analytics people than it did back in the 90s. And they're they have different ways of interpreting the information and utilizing that information. And, you know, the game's changed a lot since the 90s, but some things still stay the same. A walk is better than a strikeout every time. <laughs> that is true. Now, before we wrap this up, 
predictions for the weekend. Not that it matters. It's the first series of the <laughs> year. And I mean, the Yankees never play well against the Red Sox in April, or they rarely do. So I'm not expecting much this weekend. I already predicted that the Red Sox are winning two out of three. So what say you, Jake? I'm going to agree with you. I, I say they take two out of three. Or, you know, I mean, that'd be a nice little sweep after, uh, you know, this, the Sox started off awful uh, against the Orioles last season. We, we, we don't want none of that. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> it was so bad. I was like, this is going to be a long season. <laughs> yeah, Red Sox Nation was having a meltdown. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, that's typical in the first weekend for every. You'll see every fan base freaking out. And I want to say to everyone watching this and listening to this. Because spring training was abbreviated, you may see bad baseball in the first couple of weeks because they didn't have enough time to really have spring training. So just that's just a warning, especially with the pitching. Like, yeah. please, we like, I mean, Red Sox and Yankees, we know the pitching is a big question. Like if Nate Valdi goes out on opening day and gets shelled, it's going to be OK. Like it's, it'll be fine. He'll, he'll figure it out. It's okay. If guys aren't <laughs> reaching their max velocity, that's not a bad thing right now. That actually might be right. a good thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, fans don't... freak out every year in April. Why isn't he throwing as hard as he can? He's a, he's a 98 mile an hour guy because he's working up to it. And right. If they don't go deep into games. It's because they can't right now. Right. Things are weird this year. <laughs> well, it's, weird. I mean, it's weird when you use logic. People don't like that. <laughs> no, especially I mean, you make, baseball fans. You make a good point with the pitching because, I mean, I'm looking at the Yankees schedule. They don't have a day off until April 18th. And the Red Sox don't have a day off until the 14th. And so, I mean, that's a lot of games in a row. So, I mean, your, your, your pitching is going to be taxed really hard uh, during those first two weeks. Yeah, they're going to rely a lot on the bullpen. And that, that's why they have the expanded rosters for right. the first month. Yeah, they were smart to do that, baseball. Some teams uh, are carrying so many pitchers, and it's, like, kind of obnoxious. But I get it because the schedule is so condensed right now. Well, if you think about it, in May, there's going to be a massive uh, sort of waiver wire uh, sort of frenzy going on. And um, Lauren, you and I know how, how much Heim Bloom loves his waiver wire. He does. He loves the waiver wire. It's his favorite thing about baseball. I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> What's your prediction, Lauren? I think two out of three. I think ultimately they lose the third game. I think Tanner Houck, that he's, he's just not there yet to be a starter. And it's the getaway day. It's the final game before they head to Detroit. So I'm going two out of three, but they're going to be close games. I don't think that we're going to see blowouts. I think it's going to be like one run, maybe two run games. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Do you have a prediction, Abby? I mean, I know you're not like us and you're not a fan <laughs> of this. But... I don't know. <laughs> I, was just I, like for, I was just yeah. asked for a master's prediction. Like literally somebody's texting <laughs> me right now asking for my master's prediction and my like final pick in the master's pool. Um, Corey, if you're watching, it's Tommy Fleetwood. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just taking a shot in the dark with that one. So I'll take a shot in the dark with this one, too. And I'll say the Yankees take two of three. All right. So this was the Locked On Yankees, Locked On Red Sox crossover extravaganza. And we should do this again. We don't have to do it for every series because they play so much. But if there is another, say, matchup in the playoffs or something crazy like that, we should definitely do this again. And yeah. um, thank you to everyone who's watching. Jake, Lauren, thank you for joining us on this. Abby, as always, thank you for being my co-host. And uh, Locked On Yankees, Locked On Red Sox. You can find them on every podcasting platform available. Are you guys on YouTube? We are, yes. They're also on YouTube. And we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.